You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the CEO and founder of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a PR firm that specializes in music tech. And if you're new to the Music Tectonics podcast, we're actually part of a larger entity, the Music Tectonics Conference, which we launched last year in Los Angeles. This year, we're going online October 27th and 28th, and we've got some amazing things planned. And this episode is kind of on the early end of starting to talk a little bit about some of the content we're going to be doing at the conference because our guest today is one of our speakers. So I'd like to welcome to your earballs Lauren Puffpaff. She is the uh, co-founder and COO of Feed.fm, calling in from the San Francisco Bay Area. Lauren, how are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you know, um, the deeper we get into music tech, uh, the more often we start to see references to different fitness companies and um, how music is playing a role in fitness and health and mindfulness. And I kept stumbling across feed.fm because you guys are kind of enabling a lot of that. Um, but let's start broad level. Lauren, why don't we jump in? What is the connection between music and fitness? You know, it's such a tight connection. I think we all just sort of know it on a visceral level. We we know that the right song can help you push through that really hard part of the workout or, you know, with background, as background music for meditation. So I think it, it's something that's just intuitively there for us. But additionally, there's now 20, 25 years of research, academic research around music's impact on performance. And there are a couple of... Um, resources that we tap into quite a lot when we're just working with our customers and helping them understand how we program music for them. So there's an eminent professor out of the British University, Dr. Costas Karagiorgis, who has really focused on the impact of music on fitness specifically. And I mean, again, we reference him all the time, but one of the stats that we come back to pretty frequently is that he found that if you're, you sync music to a runner's pace, you're actually able to increase endurance. That runner increases endurance by 15% and also decreases perceived effort by about 12%. So you're able to work harder, but you're actually, it feels a little bit easier. Hmm. So, you know, it's, and there are just countless examples of, um, for instance, Haile Geber Selassie, who's a world record holder, uh, track and field, and he ran to the 90s Euro disco hit Scatman, if you recall, <laughs> if you call that particular one. So random, but he broke several records to that song because the BPM, the pace, the intensity were exactly what he needed to run at to cross the finish line on time. Oh, that, that's crazy. So if you are gradually increasing the BPM of the music you're listening to, you can actually kind of push yourself further as well. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's, it's a really tight connection, both in terms of bringing your heart rate up helping you disassociate and forget that it hurts and then again, bringing your heart rate down. So it's, it's really, it absolutely impacts the quality of a workout. Wow. That's so interesting. I just can't wait to keep uh, asking you these questions because we're going to talk a little bit more about this top level and get into what you're doing specifically. So what has changed in society that more and more fitness apps are integrating with music? Cause that's the, that's the part where we see the music tech rubber hitting the road with this, this topic is you're seeing music show up in places where it didn't show up before. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's, I think now everything is sort of like pre shelter in place, post shelter right. in place in terms of how we think about societal impact and just how quickly everything's transformed. But even prior to 
the pandemic there, you know, there was this shift towards digital fitness that's been happening for many years now. Some of it, I think, is just the way that digital experiences are just part of our lives, whether it's your smart doorbell or your Bluetooth enabled oven or you, you name it. That's just sort of how we operate now. And so it was natural that fitness also you know, moved into that realm and moved into our phones. Mm-hmm. There's also some genera- generational stuff going on here as well. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at millennials and how likely they are to subscribe to fitness content, that it's about 6x what you see for baby boomers, for example. Mm. So there's a lot of factors going on there. And then you add to it the closing of gyms, and it, it just is kind of a no-brainer that everything has to, you know, has to move into the digital realm. And we did, so in April of this year, FIDFM did a consumer survey and talked to about 500 people across the country trying to figure out what how the pandemic has impacted their ability to work out where they're working out. Got some really cool stats from that. Interestingly, and, and for me, this was super encouraging. We found that about 70% of people were actually working out more than they had mm-hmm. prior to shelter in place and lockdown. Whereas I, I think initially at the, at the beginning of all this, everyone was talking about quarantine 15 and just you know, binging Netflix and and not really getting up and moving. But what we actually found is that people are getting really creative and leveraging all these new at-home fitness options. And, you know, as part of that, obviously music is integral to the workout itself. So there's been a mad dash to figure out how to basically how to stream music legally as part of your app or your browser-based solution. Right. You know, it's interesting because when I think about fitness and music, I'm still thinking pre-COVID just because I was already super curious and interested. I mean, we saw kind of the Peloton story emerge yeah. with, with their approach to using music kind of the way Starbucks did, where it became central to the brand. But even before that, if you just look at something like yoga classes, fitness classes, that music is just integral to your experience. You might choose what gym or what instructor you're going to based on the music. And so it really becomes a differentiator for building a community of, of students or or, um, uh, you know, or participants in, in, in classes or coaching, things like that. And, but as you're talking, I'm realizing, wow, we've, we've talked a lot on Music Tectonics about the ways in which COVID and the pandemic and lockdown, self-isolation, all those things, remote work, have pushed certain technological trends in music further over the hill, you know? Yeah. Um, even concert live streaming is one that was, I, I referred to it as a, a stepchild of the of the live performance music industry. It just wasn't enough to get people really excited, but now it is the thing. And so what you're really saying here is there's this vast increase in people working out on their own at home, whatever, and that really uh, gets gets enabled by music technology and, and licensing of music and all that kind of stuff. That's absolutely true. And so, you know, we've already... So we focus a lot on fitness. We do lots of other things too, and I'll talk more about that later. But we've been working with you know big gym chains and some of the really interesting front runners in terms of connected hardware like Mirror and Tonal. And you know we've we've been working with these folks for a couple of years now. But what's interesting too is all of a sudden in March you've got let's say you own a boutique studio with you know five locations. You also have to figure out your digital strategy and music as a part of that. And so that's something that we've been trying to figure out how to help people shift into is going from what was previously technically not a legal solution, which was probably streaming your personal Spotify account in your boutique, mm-hmm. to, okay, how do I do this now at a 
at scale, granted a smaller scale, but at scale in a legal effective way. And frankly, it just, there, there haven't been a lot of obvious solutions. So that's something that we're trying to help people figure out as well. What maybe you don't have the wherewithal to develop a native app or, you know, you're not trying to create a connected fitness device. You just need to stream legal content that's high quality to your 20 users a day through their browser. Right. So it's an interesting conundrum. Oh, we're going to get into this. This is so fun. So exciting. Before we go there, how did you first get into music? So many years ago, long time ago. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I started, I think as, as lots of us do at a young age with, you know, band, you know, saxophone, clarinet, percussion, played all throughout high school and college, just really sort of fanatical about music in general. And then my tastes shifted, I guess, in, mm-hmm. in about 1993, went to Berlin. I've studied German for a long time, went and spent the summer in Berlin and, and basically found electronic music for myself. We knew that was coming as soon as you mentioned Berlin. <laughs> the, my first rave, which was wild. It was crazy. Um, came back to the States and you know started collecting vinyl, learned how to spin. I've been sort of mildly obsessed ever since. I do still DJ a little bit here and there, strictly for fun. But I, I'm one of those um, old school holdouts that really is just kind of stuck on the vinyl side mm-hmm. of things. And yeah, li- listen to all, you know, different types of styles. House music's kind of my favorite uh, in terms of spinning sets, but really love rock steady, roots reggae, hip hop, funk, uh, kind of kind of runs the gamut there. Fun. Good stuff to, to work out to, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we'll come back a little bit with your personal story, but tell let's get some context. Tell us about feed. You say feed FM, right? I do feed FM. Yeah, yep. even though I see it as feed with a period, feed dot FM. <laughs> Either one works. Yeah. What? What? So what is feed FM? We are a technology platform, and our mission is really to make it easy for brands, apps, any type of business to legally share music with their customers. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a pretty broad statement, but the reality is that the way businesses are trying to share music with their customers is all over the place, right? So, you know, we work with folks who are trying to get music into their app, stream through a website, connected devices, whether it's fitness or, or something different, and then in physical environments as well. And as you know, all of that presents a lot of complicated, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, complicated solutions to figure out. So there's the licensing and payouts, which, you know, we handle all of that for our customers. Then there's the technology side. We address that through a set of APIs and native SDKs. And then there's a music, the curation piece. So we've got a team of curators that work really closely with our brands to help them figure out their music strategy as well. So for some of them, you're actually act, act, acting as the editorial curators for the playlist these apps or platforms are using? Very much so. Yeah. So I would say that's probably 90% of our customers we are doing custom curation for. Some folks are fine with, you know, just give me your pre-curated, give me those 50 playlists. But a lot of the bigger brands we work with, to your point earlier, feel like it is a real differentiator for them. And so we work closely with them to help figure out how to bring their brand personality into the mix and then also curate very specifically for particular workout types. Wow. So before you're spinning vinyl for dancers on the dance floor, and now you're sort of spinning playlists for a wide variety of apps and platforms. Indeed. Indeed. It's been, it's, you know, something that my, my curators and I talk about a lot is being able to step back and start to look at things 
more objectively from a curation standpoint. I think mm-hmm. that's a really important skill. So obviously you have your personal taste and it's hard <laughs> to completely abandon, but we do spend a lot of time talking about what's the right thing for the customer in that environment, not is that a good song? <laughs> you know? Yeah, makes sense. So on the licensing side, this isn't as simple as creating a uh, log authentication, login authentication, Spotify, Apple type solution. There's, mm-hmm. I guess some people don't want their clients to have to do that. Right. That's exactly right. We have lots of data from our customers over the year that show pretty significant drop-off rates. So if I'm logging into a fitness app, I have to then go connect to Spotify. I don't, maybe I don't have a Spotify account. Maybe I don't remember my login. It, it is, it just causes friction for the user. And some, some users are very happy to do that and would much prefer to access their own content. But about 70% of people would rather have the music automatically matched to the workout for them. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's sort of most of our customers take that approach. So I'm logging into an app or a web platform or some other kind of software solution. And I'm, I'm just organically and naturally seeing music go alongside whatever the fitness or other experiences. That's right. Yeah. So, so feed FM's white labeled. There's, you know, we, we don't, none of our branding shows up in our partners apps. It's all about how do we integrate right. really seamlessly into their environment. So it mm-hmm. just feels organically connected. And so you're handling curation for 90% of them, but also you're handling the actual delivery of the music streams and also the licensing relationships. That's right. Do you do (laughs) those licensing directly? So we do. So we do a combination of solutions for our customers. Some is not interactive. And so we can program statutory content for that Mm -hmm. side of things. So that's obviously much simpler, but we also do interactive. And so for that, we're leveraging our, our existing relationships with the rights holders and we're able to sub-license that out to our customers. Cool. I love that I can talk to you about curation and about licensing and <laughs> all the stuff in the same conversation. But yeah, I mean, that's that's what we, we're really trying to be a pretty holistic solution because the, the last piece of it really is around the analytics, right? Oh. And, and so we track and measure a bunch of different things. There's obviously music preference. So if there's a feedback mechanism in the app, you know, are people liking Harding, et cetera? And and then our curators leverage that as well. But then we're also looking at engagement. So how likely is a user to come back? What does their session time look like? And really trying to figure out a way to calculate ROI for our customers as well. We look at music as ROI positive, not as a cost center. And so we're constantly really trying to figure out from an analytics perspective, how do we prove that out? Wow. Are you able to look at data across the entire community of, of clients and, and take away learnings there? Is there anything you can share from that? Or is that too <laughs> proprietary to ask on a podcast? Uh, no, no. Y- yes, absolutely. We do aggregate all of the data across all of our customers. Um, we So we leverage that as from as a curation tool, you know, there there are certainly tracks that are tend to be polarizing, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> Some, people start it, passing out instead of working out yeah or well what they, they skip like that's yeah, for us that's yeah. the biggest indicator am i skipping through this track right. um so we leverage all that from a curation perspective we also as part of our ongoing relationship with our customers hold you know monthly and quarterly reviews where we we look at trends so what we're for example like we're we saw massive increase in usage from january through april mm-hmm. of this year for, again because everybody is suddenly at home working out and so helping our customers understand how their trends look relative to the aggregate customer base has actually Mm -hmm. led to some really interesting conversations around how we can use music to help them increase usage 
get their customers back more frequently, sort of leverage it as a marketing tool to keep their customers engaged as well. Interesting. Cool. All right. So going back to some origin stuff, how did Feed FM come into being and, and how did you connect with that? Yeah. So we, my co-founders and I, um, my CTO, CEO, myself, we all, I'll call us um, startup veterans, if you will. I hate to, that's sort of a cliche term, but we've all been sort of been through a couple different iterations of, of startups in the past, primarily in the media and music spaces. Mm-hmm. And Learned a lot. I'll say that. Learned what we don't want to do this time. And so, so Jeff and, and Eric were had sort of an early iteration of a product that was evolving into what we currently have now. And really, we're trying to figure out how do I go to market with it? How do I find product market fit? The the eternal startup question. <laughs> and one of our investors, who I also knew, connected us all together. And at the time, I personally was not looking to start an enterprise from scratch, as you know, it's a, it is a challenging endeavor, mm-hmm. that. but the truth is I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And we <laughs> just had all these ideas bouncing back and forth and we're really trying to validate whether we saw a big hole in the marketplace for B2B music and there's just not being a lot of easy solutions there. And then a sort of friend acquaintance who worked at Anheuser-Busch at the time called us up and said, you guys, I really need to get music into this festival app. And I can't figure out how to do it legally. Like, can you just just build me a trial? Just figure it out. And got us set up for him. Huge success in terms of the actual engagement in the app. And then we just we were like, okay, we got to do it. We got to go all in. So we've been we've been at it ever since. And you know, we work with a lot of different types of companies, as clearly lots of fitness as well. But I think increasingly we're finding need across all kinds of different connected devices, that, and we're pretty excited about what's next beyond fitness as well. So fitness is the core competency, but not necessarily the end game solely. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think for us, it's just been, we're, we're a small team and, you know, part of building a successful company is figuring out what to say no to, which is hard because mm-hmm. you, you know, especially in the early days, you kind of get in the mode of, yes, we'll do it. Yes, we'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> Throw it our way. I'm sure you've been there too. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, we've, we have, really try to dis- discipline ourselves the last couple of years to, to, to focus on fitness and really grow this side of the business. But there are lots of other interesting things coming as well. Awesome. So let's get into some specifics. What are some of the companies you work with and, and maybe tell us a little bit about their connection to music? What makes it interesting to work with them in the music fitness realm? Yeah. Yeah. On the fitness side. So, um, we, we love the mirror. We work with the mirror, uh, and that's cool with them from the beginning. Yeah. I, Will you describe it for anyone who happens to not know yet what it is? Yeah. So, so think of it as a, basically a full length mirror that would hang on your wall or lean against the wall. And it is, it is just a very simple mirror when it's not in use and then you power it on and the mirror becomes a screen, which has your trainer, a bunch of metrics. You can see, you know, if you have your heart rate device connected, you can see how that's going. So it, it basically becomes a big screen for you and they're, one of the things, one of the reasons that they've been successful is in the app, you choose from, you know, 15, 20 different categories of workouts because it's all, it's not tied to a bike or a treadmill. <clears throat> There's lots of different stuff you can do with it. So like uh, you could have dumbbells, you could do yoga, you could do calisthenics, exactly. that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. T- you know, hit workouts, yoga, actually Tai Chi they do on the mirror as well, That's which cool. I think is pretty cool. And they've always been, so Bren, their founder, she started with a chain of boutiques in the New York area that was 
always very focused on their brand and their music. And so it's been really fun working with them from the beginning prior to their rise and subsequent sale to help them figure out like, what is that brand? How is that expressed both for the company and for the trainers through the music and the app as well? So those guys are a great partner. We, um, can I can, yeah. can I ask you a basic question about the mirror? Because I haven't used one. Are you looking at a video overlaid on top of your reflection or are you kind of side by side with a trainer? How's the mirror piece work? Yeah, it is It is an overlay, which sort okay. of seems weird. But I, I think in practice, it, it comes together pretty smoothly. So when you want to check form, you can. But you're not uh-huh. necessarily staring at yourself the whole time because the the trainer does take up the majority of the actual mirror itself. So you're sort of it's sort of like your, where your eye focuses yes. allows you to see what layer. It's it really reminds me of augmented reality. It, it has an AR feel to it. I totally agree. Yeah, and uh, it's so interesting to think about this kind of mixed reality with um, video, with um, with ambient technology, smart devices, uh, Internet of Things, all this stuff like coming together in a really bizarre and unexpected way for me. We're really excited about VR and AR and, and have a couple of experiments um, right now because fitness and VR actually go quite nicely together. And, mm, and lots, yeah. lots of folks have the supposition that that fitness will actually help be what gets VR into the mainstream. We'll see. Uh-huh. Who knows? Yeah. We'll see. But you know, I think as you're riding through the English countryside on your bike, looking at the scenery, of course, you want the right music in the background. As well, oh, yeah. Right. So yeah. so we're doing some fun experimentation with a couple companies around that as well. So speaking of which, what are some other companies I cut you off? We got as far as mirror and then I got all excited <laughs> about them. What else? You, who else are you working um, with? So we t- I mean, so many folks. We yeah. we I think from a music perspective, one of the partners that we have a lot of fun with is Fight Camp, which is um, c- basically connected boxing gloves with okay. the punching bag and you have the trainer as well. So the trainer doing the instruction and, and it, anyone who's ever done a workout in a boxing gym, it is really intense music. It is part of the, um, the vibe, the aggression, the pace that helps you get through these really hard workouts. And so that's been a lot of fun is how do we bring that boxing gym energy into somebody's living room? So we hmm. work closely with those guys on the curation as well. We, Can I ask you, where's the instructor in that in that scenario? So that it, so they're in the app. They're in an app which a lot of people now are are then casting to a TV. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Want to tell us about one or one or two more? Yeah, so one more real quickly. Um, we love our friends at Dance Church. I don't know if you you've heard of Dance Church, but no. They going back to again how everyone's the whole digital transformation piece. So they have been a community based. Um, dance workshop that's every Sunday, 10 a.m. in cities all across the country. And it's just a really sort of joyous, loose, fun hour of moving your body. And they, we've been working with them since Shelter in Place to, to figure out a, a live simulcast stream option. So working with mm. their instructors to curate really tightly that hour of music and then stream it out to now they've got over 10,000 people joining every time and it's just a lot of fun. They're doing good work and it's all donation based. They're really trying to give back to the communities that they were originally in as well. So, um, would, is, are, are they teaching dance lessons or is it like a kind of a, like a less uptight version of aerobics or what? Yeah, it's sort of a mix. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's definitely not, it's not choreographed per se. Oh, there are, there are specific moves and combos throughout the throughout the session but there are also lots of like just dance just let it out and (laughs) i yeah it's a it's just really fun they focus on what they call joyous movement and 
it's the type of thing where I can do it on a Sunday morning and my two-year-old comes in and does it with me and she just bounces around and goes crazy. It's a lot of fun. What, what kind of genres are they tapping for that? It's a, actually a mix. And that's one of the things that's really important to them and something that we've worked with them on. I mean, it'll be indie rock, certainly some dance remixes, pop, hip hop. It's all over the place. But I think because, again, this idea of joy is the through line. Thematically, it all connects together because it's high energy and it's just generally positive music. That's so fun. I love it. And I love the variety of those companies that you mentioned from a from a smart device to kind of like a an app experience with some other uh, controllers, I guess you could say, in the boxing mm-hmm. gloves. And then something that's purely like, well, it's brick and mortar traditionally, and now they're figuring out how to transfer it in, in lockdown. Yep. So if somebody's digging into this idea of fitness and music for the first time, are there any other interesting companies, regardless of whether you work with them, that like you should know about this because it's kind of like a heavy, a heavy weight in the, in the field, or maybe just this is really interesting or futurist, this is where things are going. What comes to mind for you? Well, I, and this is just reflective of where my head's at these days, but I think for me, the companies who are trying to figure out how to get people online monetizing their content distributing their video and obviously we, you know music piece of it as well i think companies are really trying to solve this for both instructors chains gyms everybody big and small that's sort of where my head's at because the reality is it's just actually quite hard to figure out so you need for example one of the partners that we work with that i i really think is doing something interesting is forte they're forte.fit is their url mm-hmm. and their mo is really trying to help studios figure out how to take their offering online. They'll they'll come into your studio, install software and hardware. So they'll put cameras in your studio so that as you're teaching your class, when people are back in class, as you're teaching your class, you've got a simulcast that's streaming out to users. You've got folks in the gym and that's all being recorded for video, video on demand as well. Plus right. there's a legal music solution in there. So I think it's been, it's very fragmented in terms of solutions. You've got, you know, you've got Vimeo and Uscreen and folks who are doing video and distribution. We're over here doing music. What do you do about actually filming? Because production quality is a huge challenge as well, which if anyone's done like their local gyms classes, you'll probably see that production quality is a challenge. So, you know, I, I think in general, what we're trying to do is figure out how we partner with other companies who are interested in creating a really easy plug and play ecosystem for their trainers. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that whole world of the kind of the, the, the licensing and, and royalties side of any kind of live stream thing is such a, it's a little bit of a, a sudden wild west where everything's gone and just tra- tracking everything there. And you have one thing you have to take care of if you're just live streaming, but then the video on demand side, once you record it and you're rebroadcasting, there's a whole other element to it, which is not easy to kind of follow, follow the, uh, kind of follow the thread to make sure you're you're legal and ethical and all that stuff. It's not. I mean, we frankly, we like my business development team spends a lot of time on education and yeah. and just trying to simplify. And some of it too is thinking about a new workflow because as I said, you know, instructors are used to just they program a Spotify playlist, they plug it in the speakers. That's that's what they, you know, that that's the whole process there and that just doesn't work for digital. It technically didn't work for for live either, but um, you're, you know, people are realizing that that's not legal, that they're really trying to find additional solutions for it. So, so it's, yeah, there's a lot of education. And then I think primarily our goal is simplification. How do we make it really easy to have great music and do the right thing? Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, um, you mentioned earlier in the conversation that that your core is is fitness, but that you kind of hinted, implied that maybe there was some stuff coming down the pike. You know, I I really intrigued with the smart mirrors ever since I heard about them mm-hmm. um, because I think they they seem to have a lot of use cases beyond fitness. I mean, I'm just I'm just picturing other types of musical interactions you can have with a smart mirror. And the funny thing is, I, for a while there, I hadn't thought about smart mirrors at all. And then when I started to see these fitness companies, Mirror, and there's one or two others that are yep. starting to make some, some waves, mm-hmm. I, I was like, wait a second. I do remember going into a hotel and having like the time and a little TV appear behind the mirror. And I was like, this is idiotic. I, I just looked at it. I was like, this is idiotic. There's a TV right over there. Why would I want to be watching TV right here while I'm brushing my teeth? But of course, now everybody is anyway with their phones, right? <laughs> right. But... <laughs> but um, the the I'm just intrigued by the potential use cases of something like the smart mirror and this and and even with your your boxing example, um, your mention of VR being such a great place for um, for music innovation and, and listening and, and fitness. Um, you know, we we talk about different kind of seismic shifts in the industry, and one of them we've we've talked about is music like air, which is kind of a playoff of the idea of music like water, which is not a very popular expression anymore because it makes it sound music sound like a commodity. But the, my concept with music like air is the user interface is gone. Instead of touching a button, a knob, a screen, you're literally just in your environment, and the technology is responding to you. And so I could really see the smart mirror. Um, type of musical experience or the VR stuff you're talking about or the other smart devices really take on that, that side. But I'm curious about your thoughts about where, where music can go now that you've, now that you've done this, this type of curated experience and licensing and interface for fitness, what are some other areas that, that excite you, whether it's specific companies or just developments that you're curious about that you're looking forward to unfolding? Yeah, absolutely. So we do actually work with some, a couple of companies who do digital mirrors for hotels. And it's just, it's interesting how insanely fast voice activation has, has just sort of taken over in the last, mm. you know, let's say four or five years. It went from being sort of somewhat radical to now my two-year-old says, hey, Google all the time, which is a problem. But, uh, you know, so so I think everybody's sort of getting used to that construct. And, and for us, because of the way our technology works, basically we can pipe into any system. Most of those smart mirrors are just run off Android. And and that's relatively easy for us to plug into. So it's, it's really mm-hmm. wide open there. We're working with a couple of folks who are really trying to figure out ways to find sort of drive media consumption and companionship for elderly population as well. Mm-hmm. So think of a voice activated device that has a screen and will very simply either play you a jazz station or uh, help you FaceTime your daughter. So it's trying to find some ways to sort of make this, I, lo- I love music like air, by the way, like sort of make this ubiquitous and easily accessible. Mm-hmm. We, we're really interested also in music therapy and just digital health in general and where that's headed. So music therapeutics is an interesting, um, interesting space right now because it is just very slowly making its way through FDA approvals and starting to find some ways to be actually basically what they need to do is get buy off from the insurance companies before anything mm-hmm. will, will really make its way into more sort of mainstream healthcare. But we've got a couple of companies we're working with to help them figure out how to program music that helps people with recovery. So whether that be, for example, stroke recovery, where you're trying to find the right pace to match your gait so that you can relearn how to walk or mm-hmm. um, a couple of organizations that are doing some really wonderful work around Alzheimer's and dementia and, mm-hmm. and leveraging music for 
essentially sort of reconnecting neurons and helping those neurons refire again, because it is very ubiquitous that the music that you loved between the ages of 12 and 24 is what will cause the emotional reaction in you to sort of pull up memories and get you excited and, and sort of help facilitate being here and now. So we're, we're really excited about digital health. It's really wow. relatively yeah, decent, cool. but there's a lot of cool stuff happening there. Yeah, that's very cool. Are there any other uh, innovative companies or people that you want to shout out just because? <laughs> so many, so many. But if I had to choose just one, I, you know, I really love Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a consumer of Bandcamp. I don't use it for professional purposes, but I know so many independent producers who have been able to really create a following, build a small business, and actually make some pretty good money from their Bandcamp presence. So I think as a way for me to support them directly, I think it just engenders a lot of goodwill and and it feels like a good, good thing that they're doing. I love that because it just shows that you are at your core, a music person. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Indeed. And, and stayed with it even when you went from spinning records to, uh, to helping license music to to fitness and other, other companies. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And, and you'll be speaking at music tectonics, uh, uh, as we wrap up here, what, what will you be looking for there at the conference this October? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I, you know, I personally have always gotten a ton of value from conferences and the ability to just connect with people and sort of, I, I'm one of those people, like I close the laptop, I listen, I really, I'm not on my phone. I really try to engage and pay attention because we just, I feel like now more than ever, we really need, um, we just need to learn from each other and figure out how mm-hmm. people are surviving and thriving and, and, you know, figuring out what other people are excited about. I think it's very easy for us to get caught up in our kind of our own hamster wheel of day to day because, you know, you're busy and and that's just natural. But to be able to step back and, and get some fresh perspective is something that I'm always excited about. And I do, I, I actually really miss the ability to like chat with somebody in the lobby or, mm-hmm. you know, find a way to connect sort of outside the content. So I'm sure you guys have some fun things planned to mm-hmm. help us do that. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up um, because we actually have worked on finding the right technology so that um, we've built in every every hour there's panels for 45 minutes, but then there's 15 minutes of networking. We actually have a networking slot where you will get placed with somebody else in the room randomly and there's a timer, something like three or five minutes. You just chat, video chat with this random person that's at the same B2B conference as you on music and tech. I love it. And then when the timer is up, you get placed with another person. You can do it as long as you want and you can connect with those folks. Um, so we are definitely trying to recreate that that human one-to-one experience. So I'm glad you brought that up, Lauren. Yeah, no, that's great. The digital serendipity. I'm all for it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Lauren, this has been so much fun. I think you've really given people insights into the type of thing they can learn about at the conference. And I I just love that I can call on somebody like you who has deep music roots, but also building some great solutions in in music tech and with fitness. So thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you on on the conference in October, October 27, 28th. See you then. Great. And thank you for listening to the podcast. Please hit subscribe and go to musictectonics.com so you can learn about the conference. Again, October 27th and 28th. It's online. Lauren, who you just heard from, from Feed FM, is one of our speakers. We've got a lot of great other folks. We've got Sherry Hu, the great music tech journalist, who's going to do a fireside chat there. We've got Scott Cohen, who's the head of innovation from Warner Music, and so many more about to be announced in the coming weeks. If you sign up for our newsletter at musictectonics.com, you'll be the first to hear about our additional 
speakers, you can also go to our app in either the iOS or the Google Play Store, the Music Tectonics app, um, where you can be a part of the community and have conversations, ask questions. I need to give one last shout out to Jay Gilbert, our buddy at Label Logic, who runs Your Morning Coffee. It's the weekly news digest email that you can get, but he's now launched it as a podcast as well, a highly curated snapshot of the new music business. Check out Your Morning Coffee and check out Music Tectonics. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Music Tectonics.